we featured a vast array of passionate, interesting, and fascinating people on the podcast. And when we think about the purpose of what we do at Talking Health Tech, the podcast, the community, the events, everything that we do, it's about improving collaboration around the use of technology in healthcare to ultimately enable better patient outcomes and improve healthcare services. And to do that, you need to have more than just one voice or one type of voice. It requires a diverse range of opinions, perspectives, and skill sets. And something that we can all get better at in doing in this industry is elevating and highlighting and recognizing the important role that women play in health and technology and supporting women that are in the industry or looking to break into it. And today's episode, we're going to be double-clicking onto that topic in more detail. I'm chatting with Dr. Magdalena Simonis, and we're going to delve into the career opportunities and challenges that exist for women in healthcare and technology and learn more about what she's working on in this space to make a meaningful impact. Collaboration starts with the conversation team, Health Tech. Let's make it happen. Welcome to Talking Health Tech with Peter Birch, a podcast featuring conversations with key players and influencers to promote innovation and collaboration for better healthcare enabled by technology. With me today is Dr. Magdalena Simonis. She's a GP, researcher, keynote speaker, appears regularly on media, advising on numerous health issues, and is president of the Australian Federation of Medical Women. She's on the RACGP Expert Committee Quality Care, Board of Women's Health Victoria, and on the BCNA Strategy and Policy Committee. Hey, Magdalena, how are you doing? I'm really well, Peter. Thanks for having me here today. I'm really excited to have this opportunity. Excited to have you on the show as well. So thank you so much for coming on. It'd be great to get a bit of a scene setter from you firstly and learn a bit more about yourself and what you do. So tell us about Magdalena. Tell us about Dr. Simonis. Well, I'm a GP and have been in clinical practice for nearly 30 years and have observed many changes in that space over the time. And I've become really active in health advocacy and gender equity discussions in the medical space, but also in terms of promoting development and opportunities for medical women in our big and vast developing health space. And I know it's a very important issue and I've got my reasons, but from your perspective, why have you particularly singled out women in health and technology? Firstly, I think it's really important to raise the awareness and to find really about this health technology industry being as big as it is, because I don't think that we're talking about it in our own circles as much as we could be. When women come through medical school, and they're about now, I think in most universities, we sort of feature around 50-50% of the student load cohort are all female, but very little discussion revolves around career options in the health and technology space. And yet, when you look outside of university sectors and when you look outside into industry and where the jobs really are, a lot of those jobs are in the health tech industry. And I see this as a gaping hole in our awareness. And I'm trying to raise awareness and find meaningful ways to invite women into that space and to actually consider it as a career option at any stage along their career. So I don't think that you need to start out early. Yeah. And people often talk about gender gaps in other industries and just generally across the world. When you look at health technology and medicine, is there a gender gap when it comes to those areas? 
Yes, there's absolutely a huge gender gap. And Stanford conducted a poll of health professionals in 2020 looking at medical device, device based diagnostics, digital health, health information technology companies. And they found that of their respondents, 38% were male, 62% were female. But of the respondents, one in 10 worked in a company where women constituted half of the company, like or more than senior leadership team. And most of those companies were the tiny ones with 10 or fewer employees. So you can imagine that they're doing the bulk of the work. So it also showed that women see themselves as their biggest obstacle from the industry is exclusion from networks or communication around health and technology. Whereas males in the survey saw the major barrier for women as their desire to balance work and family responsibilities, which is interesting because that's not what the women rated as their significant barrier. They considered the lack of access and the lack of conversation around this as being the, and also stereotyping. It seems to be a very gender stereotyped industry, which I think is one of those things that we need to break down. We often see men in CEO and leadership roles of tech companies and health tech companies, and not that many women in the health tech industry leading those discussions and those organisations. So I think that this is also about that. And thinking about yourself as a woman doctor and working within this space and a GP and working in a few different areas that I guess encompass use of technology in healthcare, getting a bit more specific, what are some of those career opportunities that do exist for the women clinicians or even just people that are interested in working within technology in healthcare? We've got a range of opportunities and we can start thinking about this from the time of your career, like where you are or the stage in your career that you're at. So for some of the younger ones, for instance, who are coming through university, who have been immersed in technology from a very early age, they probably have a higher awareness and have had more access to technology and tools along the way just through life and through learning. And they might be thinking in terms of developing apps, developing communication tools, even coding for some of these organisations or looking at data from a perspective of health technology and how that can inform health reform and also decisions and where money is directed according to data analytics. So a lot of the health technology in universities looks at data analytics and informatics from that perspective. However, there are a lot of other opportunities in the digital health space, and that includes really taking ownership of the kind of outcomes we want to have through the digital technology space. And what I mean by that is our intuitive wisdom and our knowledge base of many years of clinical experience can inform a lot of the engineering and design of the technology instruments that we're using. And in a lot of those discussions, you don't need to have technological expertise. You need to have clinical expertise and you need to understand systems from a lived experience rather than from a technological experience. So therefore, our capacity to inform the engineering teams who are not doctors, very mostly not doctors, and who are also not at the patient interface will benefit greatly from having that insight from a clinician 
who can guide their technology and how they design their programs to make them more intuitive, to make them more appropriate, and to also correspond to let's say, gender disparities in health and make it also more equitable for the minority groups who might not speak English as well or who might not use the digital interface as confidently as others perhaps because of access. So there are many areas where women can enter into this space without necessarily being a technology geek or nerd, which is what we traditionally expect. Oh, you go into tech, you need to be a tech nerd. Well, no, you don't. You actually need to be a really good clinician with some really clear ideas around design and systems. And that's what we're good at, really good at. I think as well, often when people think about women in health technology, they'll go down the line of applications and technology to solve for women's health issues specifically, which are remarkably important and there's a big gaping hole there. However, it's not just about women working on apps and technology for women's health specifically. It's across the broad health spectrum, I think is really important too. I agree. I think that it needs, I th- that's in fact what you've highlighted there is one of the key points that I find rather frustrating about the industry itself. It's the perception that people have that it's all about building an app. Let's monitor our periods. Let's monitor our moods. And how many apps can you possibly have? That is all great. And there's a glut of apps. I think there, I don't know, there are billions of apps now. And I think when I talked about this in 2012 in a presentation, I think at that stage, there were already 4 million apps being developed per day. So I'd hate to think what it is now. I think that it is a broader discussion really about what the, let's say, case or the best health outcomes and how we can achieve those through our design of systems. And thinking about then those that are working in the space, women working in the space, we need to, there's two factors, both the inspiring and skilling up women to work into these roles, but also then educating and supporting organizations to make those decisions and be more inclusive in recruitment and everything. What are some of your thinking around how to go about some of these issues, which I know we've talked about for a long time, but it's really need to see some traction in. Yeah, I think that actually it starts with the sort of thing that we're doing here. It's having these kinds of conversations and sharing these conversations and sparking interest in it. I think it's certainly in things such as like what I've instigated with the Australian Federation of Medical Women, which is I've set up a medical women in technology and health, I call it MedWith, so that we can have a site where women in medicine who are interested in learning about technology and health and how they can get into the tech and health space through their career and at which point. So the idea there, let's say, is to have a series of presenters, both who have been medical women, who have been engaged in this space, but also from companies where they can just talk to us about their need in terms of where they see that the input of medical women can enhance the development of their technology and the opportunities that exist there. So getting some of the smaller companies to come and talk to us. Then there are also opportunities to have mentoring through connecting up with other networks of medical women who are interested in doing these things internationally also, because let's say when we talk about the digital health revolution, we're not talking about local, we're really talking global here. We can create specific solutions to our specific problems. But the reality is that once you've done something really well, it's translatable and transferable across an enormous spectrum of cultures and societies and countries. 
And that's what's really attractive about it, that you can really enhance and improve things with something that's original and something that is useful and something that is workable also. So tell us a bit more about MedWith. So it's connected to the Federation of Medical Women. So we're a group of medical women who have existed for over 100 years as a group and the association has done a lot of that networking and mentoring within our existing fields of expertise. So we're a bunch of medical women around the country. We've got very established groups in Victoria, New South Wales, ACT and Queensland. We've got a few individual members from a variety of other states and we're reaching out to our Indigenous medical women also through a series of bursaries that we've established. And the idea now is... you know, when you have a change in leadership and everyone comes in bringing their own strategy and plan. And part of my strategy, of course, has been to have this discussion on this level and in this platform, which has not really been happening at all. And I see that it's also not been happening outside in my GP world where I have been. And I have been on the expert committee of eHealth with RACGP. And when I was talking about how about mobile applications back in 2010, 2012, how about we talk with Google? How about we talk with IBM? How about we talk with some of these tech companies and get involved there so that they understand the importance of chronic disease? We can be a part of that wave of revolutionising the management of chronic disease as it's a global problem. It's the pig and the python with the whole world going through its ageing phase and we've got people living longer in most of the developed countries and we've got health systems that are strained in all of these systems. Then you've got the developing nations where their populations now that have come up in terms of standard of living are now going through their own phases of developing the chronic diseases that we've experienced through living older and having poorer diets. So the idea is how can we impact that as a college? And I was really keen on getting all of that in that perspective outside of our local perspective because a lot of it is applicable elsewhere. And those conversations can start, but sometimes they just don't come to fruition. So it's something I've not let go of, which is why I found this as a wonderful forum and platform to have these conversations with a bunch of really inspired younger medical women also and older medical women who are saying, hey, look, this is actually a really good idea. We should get on board this. We should be having these conversations and we should be seeing many more women in digital health technology and not just in data analytics, yeah? No, interesting, of course. And then there's such a vast array of opportunities in there that can be more involved. And let's say we start to get a lot of these things right and we see demonstrable progress and things go the way that things should go. What does that future kind of look like in your perspective? What does it look like when we nail it? When we nail it, I think that we'll have a natural tendency to talk about this in our medical circles. I think we'll have a natural tendency to take an interest in what technology we're using from a user perspective and from a service perspective in terms of what is it really trying to achieve and how can we enhance this. I think we'll see an engaged group of medical women who say, well, I think I've got a few improvements that I can add to this and I'm going to suggest these to the developer because this is what I've found works better or might make it work better. So those sorts of conversations. And then it's also about universities looking at this as an actual specialised training area and option to marry digital technology and health. 
along with our traditional training that we have. So to come through this with some literacy around what is going on in the world in this space, because let's face it, we are the ones that are going to be using a lot of these tools. We're going to be the ones that are interacting with these systems and very few of us are in there designing the tools and the systems. So it's a huge opportunity and UNESCO has come out and the World Economic Forum have come out saying exactly the same thing. And when you hear your own thoughts being reiterated on those larger platforms, then you say, well, okay, why am I not hearing this conversation happening here? Mm. And it is maybe in very small pockets. So part of also what I aspire to achieve is to connect up those little pockets so that we can make it a big voice and a big environment, really, where we can all just probably find mentors and collaborate, network and grow a career path through. Speaking my language for sure. And thinking about someone that might be listening, if there are women who are interested in getting more involved in or looking to continue to progress a career within health technology or technology and medical space, but they're not overly technical per se, what are some opportunities or options that they have? Great question. And I think that there are a few organisations that are out there looking at promoting women in the digital health space. One of them is, of course, our dear friend, Louise, Dr. Louise Shaper, who established Heiser Health Informatics Society Australasia, and now it's Australasian Institute of Digital Health. The merger has occurred and she's created a wonderful organisation there. And so I think those spaces, then Telstra has recently just launched its first ever brilliant women in digital health platform. They've had their first session. They've already had a competition for medical women or women in the digital health space, not just medical women, but women in the digital health space to submit their work on what they've worked on in the digital health space. And they had 150 submissions from around the country and they've selected 25 winners and they're going to announce those in November. So I think getting connected with those groups. I think also looking at organisations such as the Health Informatics International Societies and seeing what they're doing and also looking at UN and what they're talking about in terms of the UN website and women and gender and digital health. There's a huge discussion there about recruiting women into these areas, especially in developing countries with women. This will improve the agency of women. And for women who are raising children, this can be an industry that can really provide them with an income stream and an opportunity that they otherwise wouldn't have if they had to leave the house every day. So a lot of these skill sets can actually be acquired through international nationally available teachers and mentors, and you can do it from home as we are doing things now. So I think also COVID has fast forwarded a lot of an awareness around the importance of just having access to the internet. Now, if we sort of stretch that a bit further and say, okay, it's not just about having access to the internet, and it's not just about connecting with people socially and keeping that alive, but it's also really about finding other ways of doing the things that we do. So if we expand on that, and I think this is a really, really good opportunity now, even though COVID has been a disaster in so many ways, I think it's a great opportunity to really come in on this whole message that this is the space we're moving towards and we need to 
think about becoming engaged in it. Otherwise, we'll be simply passive recipients of a system that we might not really be enjoying as much. So if we're in there designing it, if we're in there guiding it with whatever skill sets we have, I think that the industry is open to those kinds of initiatives. There's some great resources and communities that you've suggested there and groups, some of who've been on the podcast previously and also that we're connected through and talking health tech. So some great opportunities there. And for anyone that's particularly wanting to learn a bit more about the Australian Federation of Medical Women or MedWith, how would they go about that? They can visit our website at www.afmw at afmw.org.au. Cool. And is it particularly focused for specifically you need to be a clinician and a woman to be involved in what you do? It's gender specific, so it is. And you can be a med student anywhere up to a retired physician. Great. Excellent focus. Dr. Simonis, we'll put some of the resources and links in the show notes of this episode so people can check it out in their own time and connect with you if they're keen to learn more. Good luck with everything you're doing and thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much, Peter, for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the show. Check out TalkingHealthTech.com to connect with other people in our community and to learn more about the Australian health tech industry. Also, make sure you hit subscribe on your favourite podcast player so you don't miss an episode and share this episode with a few people who need to hear it. Now go make it happen. Go make it happen.